Hi, I'm Jason. I've had successes and what I felt like were epic failures. At each point, it was the people I walked with and learned from who helped me through. On my podcast, What Works, I interview authors, educators, executives, and people who work to change the world. I walk for a moment on their journey and learn from them. For me, that's What Works. This is the What Works podcast and videocast with Jason Todd. Today, my special guest is Steve Bowler. He is a leadership consultant currently in the education industry, uh, but some cool new things on the horizon. And the reason I wanted to have Steve on today, uh, not only has he got this cool brand called Stand Tall Steve, which I think is just this idea that just, uh, it's it stands out, uh, no pun intended, uh, but but also he's coming up with this new book. It's actually his third book called Stand Tall Leadership. It comes out in August of 2020. Welcome to the What Works Podcast, Steve. Hey, thank you so much. I appreciate it, Jason. I'm glad to be here. This is good stuff. I, it, it's going to be an exciting time, I'm sure. Uh, we've yeah. had the opportunity to talk about leadership and I've uh, in the educa- education industry, and I've attended yeah. a handful of your things that you have uh, broadcast to educators around the world. And I know you're, you're well-respected in the education industry, and the Stand Tall Steve thing is it just it it uh, comes to the forefront? It it rolls off the tongue. Yeah. Uh, but how did this come about? The stand tall, Steve. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's kind of neat. I mean, first of all, my parents were very fortunate to name me Steve, uh, and so you know it worked out. And I'm tall. I'm yeah. six foot seven, so I'm a tall guy. Um, if you look at me anywhere, uh, I look like a basketball player, straight yeah. up. I look like I, I I walk right off of the the court. Um, and the thing of it is, is I did play basketball in high school. That's it. I did not play in college. I didn't play pro. Um, I'm okay at it, you know, but that's not who I am. Um, and so the whole Stand Tall Steve thing came about because it kind of revolves around what I believe to be my Stand Tall philosophy. Um, so when I talk about leadership and I talk about um, uh, taking charge and, and, and being there for people, I, I kind of focus it around the world of tall people. So tall people, you know, when you're, you're tall, you don't blend in at all. You, you stand out in a crowd. You see a crowd, boom, there's a tall guy. There's a tall, you, you, tall women, tall guy. You, they stand out no matter what. So when you're looking at um, leadership and you're a leader of an organization or you're a leader, you're like a tall person. Regardless if you're four foot two or if you're seven foot eight, you can stand, you stand tall because you don't blend in. Yeah. You don't blend in. You stand out. Your actions are everybody sees what you do, they see what you don't do. So therefore, with my philosophy of Stand Tall, uh, Stand Tall Steve and my whole Stand Tall philosophy, Stand Tall Leadership, it's all kind of revolves around that in, in that I take a lot of the aspects of the world of tall people, because it's a world of tall people, and applying it to leadership and connecting those two things together. So uh, my name is Steve. I stand tall. I believe in that. So it all kind of connected together to Stand Tall Steve. There That's you awesome. go. Yeah. So what, what makes you qualified to talk about leadership? Because there's a lot of people who want to write books. There's a lot of people who consult. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've found from my own experience that many people who work into consulting were not very successful in the other thing that they were doing. And now they thought, well, you know what I can do is I can just be, <laughs> I yeah. can just be sort of be, a, sort of be a, a, a many things to all people because I can't figure out what I'm doing. That's not your background. So no, not at all. your background and how'd you get to this? Yeah, so my background is I'm a former principal and superintendent of schools. Uh, I'm here in New Jersey. I'm in Jersey. So 
I've had uh, over 25 years in education and a good 18 of those years was in administration uh, mm-hmm. specifically. I mean, I, to, to start off, I was an art teacher. I taught art, uh, you know, painting, drawing, clay, pre-K to third grade, like little, little people. I started off with teaching art um, and everything. Uh, you don't see too many people that look like me teaching pre-K to third grade art. But that's where I started off and I became an art supervisor. Then I became an assistant principal, principal, and then superintendent of schools. So my focus on leadership uh, and my experience on leadership is very good. And I was very successful at it. I can't say that you know, I was not removed from any position. I wasn't told to go away. Um, and it, it means a lot to me that the, the places where I did work, I was revered. I mean, people liked me. People enjoyed my leadership. They didn't always agree with me, but they respected the decisions that I made, and I appreciated that, and my results showed through that. And being the creative person that I am, my background in art, and actually my minor was in music, so I'm a certified music teacher as well, but I just never taught it. My goal when I got into administration was I wanted to bring the creativity, the thinking different, the risk-taking into administration, school administration, and leadership, and that's what I did. And I was able to do it well. And so therefore, now when I go out and I say I consult and I speak and I train, these are things that I've done that worked and things that I did that didn't work. I mean, that's the other piece of it. I'll straight up tell you what didn't work. You know, it was a hot mess with this. But these are the things that did work wrapped around with my, you know, my stand tall philosophy and my beliefs and, and, and uh, the outcomes that I've gotten. Yeah. And, and you've continued that success through this, this stand tall, Steve brand, you're a, you're a national speaker uh, and you're invited to go to organizations to consult with them. Yeah. And then you're, you're invited into schools to help solve problems kind of as a, as an outside independent view, but you also have this online community where people yeah. uh, look to you for information and insights. What's that about? Yeah. So and you're right. I, I do. I, I do consulting with districts. I do speaking at conferences and training at schools and such like that. And one of the things that I was trying to do for the last like year and a half or so, I've really been trying to move specifically the education world into more online virtual training, online events, opportunities. And to be honest with you, I was getting a lot of pushback like crazy. They just, they, they didn't get it. Then COVID happened. You know, and all of a sudden they had to. And so I really started pushing more these opportunities for educators and for leaders to come together virtually to to learn, to get ideas. Uh, I mean, I've had some, as you said, um, some different online experiences. I've had these webinar events. I've had these meeting events. And there are a wide variety of different things. Uh, the, the one area uh, in April, throughout April, I had a, a virtual event which happened every Tuesday and Thursday throughout the, the, the month of April where leaders and educators could come together and we had training and provided information for them for free. I mean, just free. Here's it's just stuff that you can do, connect people together. Um, and then um, I provided another session called Motivate the Motivator where, you know, I did that one in uh, March. And in, the reason why I did that one in March is because at this time, schools and leaders were they're trying to get through. These schools were struggling with this, this online, and it was emergency online learning. That's what they were doing. And they were out there trying to motivate their staff. Well, who's out there motivating them? Yeah. You know, who's out there inspiring them, keeping them going? So I did a virtual series called Motivate the Motivator. And it was all about inspiring and encouraging those people who are out there who are leading to motivate others 
refuel your battery pack so you can get through. Um, and then uh, once things started to change and we had the, the unfortunate situation with George Floyd and the, the world kind of shifted as it related to race relations, um, I created a, uh, a series called Safe Space in Education. It was a virtual series there where educators can come together in a virtual format and it's a safe space. Nobody's going to yell at you. No one's going to get mad at you. No one's going to tear you down for you to voice and to learn about race relations as it connects with education, leadership, and those kind of things. And that one, I mean, that just, it, it hit me here and it was good. You know, a lot of people with the situations that are going on, specifically in the African-American community, um, they're protesting, they're, they're making their voices heard and things like that. I'm going to be honest with you, that's not me. I'm not going, you know, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to go out with a, you know, a sign screaming and yelling and protest. I'm, not, I'm just not going to do it. It's not me. But I do have a voice. Yeah. I have a format. Let's create a safe space. Let's do this. And it's yeah. been going, you know, really, really well. So those are the things that I'm working with that way. Yeah. It seems to me that one of the threads that holds that all together is that this idea that you're impacting leveraged individuals. So a teacher is a very leveraged individual because yep. you can impact one teacher and they, they impact hundreds or thousands of students. And your, your, you know, this uh, discussion on race relations, you impact mm-hmm. that administrator or that teacher and mm-hmm. they impact many other people. And it seems to me that's what you're, that's the thread that's, that's through all of your, all of your work. You want to be in, impacting the right people, the leveraged people who can then take that message further. Yeah, you're absolutely right. One of the things that I really look at in, in, in depth, and it's not that I, I don't want to connect certain people or, or but I, I want to connect with influencers. Mm-hmm. Um, and educators are influencers. Yeah. They have a direct connection to hundreds, if not thousands of additional people, whether they be children, whether they be families, whether they be community members or whatever like that. So. I mean, I truly believe that educators are, is, educators are the last, last noble profession on earth. I mean, it's, it's one of the most noblest professions of all. They have a phenomenal and an amazing connectivity. I mean, communities revolve around how good the schools are, what the schools are like, what are the education is like, what are the systems are like. And that's a passion of mine. So connecting with those influencers, those decision makers, those people in education, if you can change some of that mindset, if you can get them to think a little bit differently, think openly, think creatively, be risk, strategic, smart risk takers as it relates to classroom management, instruction, leadership, um, uh, race relations, uh, social justice, all those different things, just think a little bit differently, then apply that in some way. The, the impact could be huge. Huge. You know, I'm not here to go and say, you know, I'm Superman and I'm influencing all these people. I know, no. I just want to be able to get some people and I want to make a difference. And and, and that's a good way of making that happen. Yeah. Do you think in your experience that education or the education industry lags a little bit in its forward thinking or um, risk taking? Yes. Oh, definitely. I mean, that's the reason why I got into administration to begin with. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I, when I was an art teacher, um, I was thinking about what I was going to do next, you know, whatever like that. And I started looking at administrators, you know, in schools. And I realized I don't like them. I, I, I don't. I didn't. I didn't like administrators. They weren't risk takers. They were stuck up. They were stiff. They didn't try anything new. And if they did, they were afraid to do it. Now, 
Don't get me wrong. We're dealing with kids, okay? There's a certain level of, uh, 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 of cautiousness and conservativeness that you have to have with kids. Right. But you still need to step it, step it up. Let's go. And then when you, 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 we're having these new ways and things of thinking and doing that are taking off in the world. Educators are like, ah, mm, I don't know. Let, let's go for it. Let's, let's, let's try this. Let's do a pilot. Let's figure something out. So one of the things that I really do a lot of, and I do it well, and I'm happy, I'm glad about doing this, is providing educators with new perspectives of how to do certain things. And I break it down in a way of their language. Because there's another whole world of language and understanding within any industry, but right. also in education. But I try to break that down to a way that is in their language, in their world, because I come from that world, so that they can say, huh, looking at it like that, this might actually work. Let's try this. And I've seen phenomenal results from that. People feel better that they can take a risk, take a chance, go for it. We talk about messaging and branding. Like one of the big things we talk about educators kind of jumping in and doing things. One of the things that educators don't do enough of is they don't do marketing and branding. You know, if they want an idea to take place, to take shape, they got to do some marketing and branding. A, a company gets a new product. What do they do? They get a marketing team together, right? Or a marketing uh, corp, uh, organization. They come up and they figure out what the look of it's going to be, the sound of it's going to be, when they're going to talk about it, how often they're going to talk about it, what is the values that you're going to get out of it. I mean, all this. Educators, we have a new educational program to bring it into a school or to a district. All right, let's do a training on the teachers. All right, I wonder why it's not working. What's going on? You got to brand that puppy. You got to market that thing. What is it going to look like? How often are you going to talk about it? When are you going to do the training? When are you going to do a follow-up? When are you going to do market research? I mean, there's all these little pieces. Now, granted, educators are busy doing things, but it's simple little things like that that can build in a district and well, the leadership in doing things. Don't you but think that, there's a disconnect? I, I just perceive this. Now, I've never been in education. I've always been on the business end of things. But there's a disconnect, a kind of a hard line between education and schools and then business. And the two don't talk to one another. When I think, I, I do believe that there's an element of uh, the gift of being an educator, mm. the talent, the innate personality that makes you a teacher. Mm. And, that, and that right now is, is expressed generally in the education industry. But I think that talent transcends or can transcend all industries. Oh, but people so. tend to be shoved into education, which then puts them in this little box and they stay away from business. And then business never goes back to education and says, hey, let's run this like a business because, uh, you know, that's education. Yeah. I don't want to be a teacher. But mm. I think, I, I, so I'm thinking there's like two things going on here. One is right. this divide between education and business and the mm. principles somehow shouldn't cross and we mm. never talk anyhow. And then this idea that if I have the gift of being a teacher, I don't belong in business. I belong yeah, and, in education. And, and there's so many things that can cross-pollinate very easily with that. There's things that are in business because you have to understand. Well, I found this out specifically as a superintendent. School's a business. You're running a business. Your product are students, all right? Nothing against them. I'm not saying that they're little machines or nothing like that, but your product is the knowledge of your students, all right? Your workers are your staff and your teachers and your, your infrastructure and everything like that. You know, it's a business. You have to run it as such. And so there's things that you can pull from the world of business that can flow into education. Then from the education side, 
how do you get other people to learn something? How do you efficiently and effectively get them to understand, to get buy-in, to get um, to, to have that willingness to move forward with things, to, to believe in your product, all right? To, be, to get those things, to communicate and to learn and, and move to the next level. There's so much in education that can go into business to allow them to do that. From the leadership level, all the way down to the, the, the sales rep, to the uh, you know pharmaceutical rep, to whatever area that you're talking yeah. about. There's a lot of those pieces that cross-pollinate, that connect over, and vice versa. Because some of the things that I talk about specifically in the leadership area within uh, within uh, education is some of those business aspects. And then when I speak in the business area, because I do speak in the business area as well, is I bring some of that knowledge of that climate culture piece over into the business area on how you can get the results that you need. And, and that cross-pollination, it's, it's definitely there. And, and it, it can make so much happen. I'm glad you brought that up. You're right. It's, it's definitely there. And you shouldn't be afraid of it. You know, yeah. go for it. Yeah. You, it seems like you throw yourself in the mix in the middle of all this and, and stir the pot and invite people to think uh, differently, uh, challenge them in ways that they have not been previously challenged. Yeah. And, and, and that's what it is. And, and here's the other thing. You know, I, I've had other speakers, consultants, uh, uh, trainers and stuff, and they says, yeah, I stir the pot and I make them think I, I give it to them. And, you know, I put... And I'm not going to throw anything up in your face. You know what I mean? It's, you're going to be like, whoa, whoa, it's too much. I do it. I try to do it in a way that it is, number one, it's common sense. Because, mm-hmm. you know, again, common sense isn't common anymore. All right. But, you know, try to make it digestible. Do it. You know what? That kind of makes sense. Huh. Yeah. Is that what it is? Let's try it. Because the probability of someone actually stepping in and doing something increases if you're not slamming it in their face or whatever like that. So I am trying to, I push it a little bit, but I make it palatable that it can be digested and they can start doing things. Uh, The one thing that I love, and I get this from most of the people that I work with, is they say to me, I could do that tomorrow. I could do that tomorrow. And they do. And they get back to me and say, I did it. And oh my gosh, the results that I got. Um, You know, here's a good example. I want to give this, if I if I may, give an example. All right. There's this one thing that I do called daytime DJ voice, nighttime DJ voice. Okay. <laughs> it's all about how you, how you talk to people. All right. Mm-hmm. How you talk to people. So like on the education side, I say nighttime DJ voice, daytime DJ. You're nighttime DJ. So when you listen to the radio, nighttime DJ, what do they sound like? Hey, baby, how you doing? You nice and smooth. We got the quiet <laughs> yeah. storm and you like, yeah, right. Daytime or, or morning time DJ voice. What is that? Hey, good morning, everybody. We're so glad to have everybody. Oh my goodness, this is so funny and it's energetic. Boom, exciting. Here's the, here's the problem. All right. Specifically, every, let's talk about classroom management when you talk about schools and kids. Yeah. A lot of times teachers use their daytime DJ voice for negative things and then their nighttime DJ voice for good things. Student doesn't do what he's supposed to do. What are you supposed to be doing? Sit down. How come you're doing this? That's the daytime DJ voice for something that's negative. And then the student does something well. Good job. That's it? Right. Are you kidding me? That's the nighttime DJ voice for something that's good. Flip the script. When a student does something they're not supposed to do, use your daytime, you'd use your nighttime DJ voice. What are you doing? Why are you doing that? That's not what we do here. Nighttime DJ voice. Kid does something right. Oh my God. Hey, way to go. Like that. But it's, it's the opposite. 
The results that you get by simply switching your daytime DJ voice with nighttime DJ voice, the results are unbelievable. That alone, I get more responses from educators, teachers, administrators, just implementing that one thing. They see giant gains in the students, in the students, just instantly, Yeah, instantly. Let's flip this over to the, the corporate end. You're a supervisor. You're dealing with situations. All right. Someone's not doing what they're supposed to do. Send this email. Daytime DJ voice, something negative. I got to get on them. We got to reprimand them. Uh, Why are you doing stern voice? Use a a nighttime DJ voice for the negative things. Why are you doing this? This doesn't go against, this goes against what the company policy is. This isn't what is supposed to happen. When they're doing what they're supposed to do, they're doing well. Hey, way to go. Awesome job. I like that. Everybody see what he just did there? Made it go. Now, granted, that might not be your person. That's not my personality. But just a slight adjustment from a daytime voice, nighttime voice, DJ voice, the results will be like that. Yeah. Same kind of thing. And that's why I love these instant turnaround. Just think of it real simple and easy. It, it, it could happen. Yeah. And you've had the opportunity to experiment with these things. And so you've seen oh, it. Yeah, I've used and are these the types of things you're putting in your book then, this idea of standtall leadership? Oh, yes. Totally. 100%. These... My book that I have, Stand Tall Leadership, is all these different types of things that are simple, easy to implement. Clearly, first of all, I clarify it and make you understand what exactly this is we're talking about. And then here's what you can do. All right. This book, it's not another, it's not a book about the story of my life. If you want to get a book, if you want to know about the story of my life, give me a call. I'll tell you everything you want to know. All right. We'll go out for a drink or something. But in the book, it's reference. It's, it's like a, almost a mix of a, of a, of a, um, of a self-help book and a, a instructional manual. So it's just like, look, here's some basic things. I start off with what is stand tall leadership? What it's all about. Then we go into what is leadership really about? What does really leadership really mean? And leadership really is all about influence. That's what it's about. How are you influencing others? Yeah. Then we go into the results formula, how to get results out of people. Then we go into how do you maintain those results by maintaining a high level of integrity, what integrity is. We go into what is the difference between compliance versus commitment. Mm. There's a big one. Are your people all working with you under compliance or are they committed? Because compliance, it's, you, you, compliance is necessary. You're, you, you need to get compliance. Rules, expectations are necessary. But compliance is a low level of accomplishment. It is. Right. Commitment if you have people that are committed, compliance will handle itself. So we go into that. We talk about efficiency versus effectiveness. You know, you might want to be have efficient, but you want to be effective. How are you going to get great outcomes out of that? Then we go into what vision really is and how to maintain people in that vision. So there's all these different levels. I mean, I got one section in there called badass. I mean, to be honest with you, it's a section on how to be a badass educate, you know, leader. Yeah. Uh, you know, so those are the different things that are in the book. It's simple, easy read. Huh, makes sense. This is what you need to do. Is the book is the book uh um guided towards educators or is it more open and uh influential for business leaders as well? This specific one, it's 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 there's a lot of reference as it relates to educators. It does. Although, again, like I said before, education's a business. All right. It is. It really is a business. You got to realize that your product are your students and the outcomes that they get and the learning that they have, your employees and the people are your teachers and everything. And it's leadership. Every single thing within there is guided towards leadership. 
Um, you know, and I'm talking to my publicist about it and everything. And one of the conversations we had early on is that a lot of people don't realize this, but there are some leadership books that are out there that started off in education and they just, you know, they, they easily transition over. And that's something that we, you know, I might end up doing later on, but you could get the book now applied in it in, in, in business. Same thing. It works. It seems, it seems like the principles you're talking about are just human nature uh, principles. They work across all people it, regardless of the industry. It's just, you're changing the nomenclature to make it uh, palatable or acceptable to educators, which might, the, the verbiage might not work across, you know, right. all industries. It, it seems to me that that's where you're kind of uh, headed with that. You know? Yeah. And, and, and be honest, you know, the more you look, think about it and it's true, it, the, the, the material and the information that's within the book, it, it goes across all things. Yes. The verbiage and such, it's using, English, you know, um, the language for within schools. Look, if you have a kid or you know someone who has a kid, you get it. All right. <laughs> because everybody has a kid who goes into school. You've seen a teacher. Anybody ever had a teacher in here? Yeah. Okay. It goes for you. You get it. So it, it's like I said, it's good stuff. How to get results like that with those results. It's the same thing in business. The, the outline that I have to how to get results, commitment versus compliance. Do you want compliance or commitment within business? It's the same thing right there. Do you want efficiency versus effectiveness? Yes. You got to have that fine line and know the difference between the two of those things. You know, what is leadership? Leadership is leadership, whatever, whatever the area you're in. Cause truthfully, I know tons of superintendents. I know tons of principals and superintendents all over the country. I got a wide networker that I know. They're reading uh, business books. They are. Mm-hmm. They are because yeah. they have to apply them into what they're doing. Yep. It can go to the other way. It really can. It's the same type of thing. Yeah. Same type of thing. Yeah. Interesting. What are the, what are the, some of the standout examples of people who have applied some of your leadership principles, either maybe, th- maybe things that you've done or maybe you've heard from other people when they've applied your leadership exa- examples, what, what, what's occurred for them? Um, well, I had a school that was, uh, whoa, out in the Midwest area, uh, was the Illinois area. Uh, went and did some training with them, did some consulting and things with them. What they did is they, they one of the things with my results formula, the big main area with that, that folks are, with results formula is what it is that you respect and value. Identifying that, clearly identifying what you respect and value. And then we build off of that school wide. So we had this one school that did this. They've implemented it throughout that year. I mean, they had the best year that they've ever had. They wrapped everything around what they respect and value. They recognized, rewarded, reinforced all the different areas within that school. Their, their outcomes, and again, in schools, you'd measure those outcomes by doing some civic surveys for climate and culture, and as well as your academic outcome, increased significantly. The district's like, what in the world's going over in that district, you know, in that school? So they said, hey, this is what we did. Brought me back. I started doing it with the district level. Then now we have four schools in the district that did it. Within the second year, boom, they started excelling over top of everybody else that was there. It's just, they were just like, what in the world's going on here? And then COVID hit. But, you know, <laughs> it's still, but here's the thing. Even with COVID, the schools that were struggling are the schools that didn't have a positive climate and culture before it hit. Okay. The schools that were accelerating are the ones that had the great climate and culture before it hit. So guess what schools in that district did exceptionally well? Well, the ones that implemented some of those strategies that I uh, that I told them about, and they kind of made it through on a much better level than the schools that didn't. But uh, you know, there's one situation right there. I've had um, I did some presentations at a couple of different uh, business conferences just on the results formula, sticking with that one, 
And I got some feedback from a couple of people who took it back to their uh, industry. And they said, look, I implemented this results formula at a small level. He says, we won uh, or their sales were the best of the quarter. And mm-hmm. I said, and they feel that it was a part of them implementing this whole concept of what it is that I kind of put out there. And that was really great for me to hear. Um, and then, you know, I, I got, you know, if you go to my website, I got a whole section of great testimonials as it relates to the presentation mm-hmm. and how the outcomes that they've had, you know, with that. So, yeah, I've, I've, I've seen real outcomes with this. Even yeah. and the thing is, people are implementing just parts of stuff that I do. You know, and it's and they're getting some great outcomes with it. That's awesome. It, yeah. It's pretty clear that you're that you're passionate about this. Um, where does that passion come from? Like, if if somebody said, "Why do you care, Steve?" Mm. You know, why do you care? It, it really comes from, you know, down at the root. I I, I I really love people. Now, if you asked me this back when I was inside of a school, I'd say I love kids, and I do. I'm, I'm a kid nut. I mean, I. I love kids. I, I just think they're the best and it's just fun to work with them. But then as I became more of an administrator, now I stepped out a little bit more. I love leadership and I love seeing people do better. It's just exciting to me. It's, it's, you know, back when I um, was in high school, I, um, I, I, I told my mom and dad uh, one day, I told my mom, I says, you know what? I'm going to go outside. I'm going to play some basketball. I had a hoop out in front of my house. When I come in, I'm going to apply to this college. We're going to fill that. It was my senior year. We'll, we'll fill out. She says, okay. Yeah. So I went outside, shooting some hoops. Two kids came by. Um, they were like seven, eight. And I was like, hey, you guys want to shoot hoops here? And they're like, oh, yeah. So I stood out there for the next two hours playing basketball with these two kids. You know, I had one hand behind my back. I was having a great time with them. I came inside. I said to my mom, I said, I think I want to be a teacher. And she said, oh, thank goodness. I was like, what? Really? And she's like, yes. Cause I was going to go apply to be a commercial artist. That's what I was going to do. Commercial okay. artist. And I was like, what? She says, you've been an educator and a teacher your whole life. I said, well, why didn't you tell me? She says, because if I had told you, you might not have done it. You know, you had to find that on your own. And I was just like, well, I was really excited about it. And she's right. I love teaching people. I love interacting with people. I, I get such joy out of other people doing well. And, and it's not to a fault of my own. Don't get me wrong. Steve loves Steve. Steve's going to take care of Steve. But through that process, I love to see other people do well. And, and especially with leadership. I love quality leadership. And it just means so much to see that transformation in people and in organizations. And if I could be a way to help that and make that happen, I'm there. You know, and I, I am, you know, you can see I'm animated. I'm, a, yeah. I, I I'm, I'm an animated person. So I, it, it oozes out of me the desire for people to do well. It really does. Yeah. So what, what then, or how, how do you express your frustration when people can see the principles you clearly outline them? You know, like you say, you're this animated guy. You're you, I think, I think at times you would care more about that person's success than sometimes they can, can care about it themselves. It seems, mm-hmm. What do you do or how do you speak into those situations like that? Well, you know, it's interesting. One of the chapters in my book is people that you just can't help. It's okay. a whole the whole section on there are people you just can't help. All right. You yeah. can't help people who don't think they need help. Yeah. You yeah. can't help people who think that they don't need help right now. You can't help people who don't want help from you. You don't want, you can't help people who don't want to do the work necessary to, 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 to make it happen. 
So those are just a few things that I talk about specifically in there because as leaders, we always want to help. And you can tell, I love helping people. Yeah. But this is the realization that I had to come to myself. And once I came to this, I can say, look, I can hand it out for you. I can wrap it up, put a bow on it, and, and also give you a gift certificate. But <laughs> unless you are at the point that you can't accept help, yeah. all I can do is give it to you. Right. You got to open it up and use it. And there was a time that I would be, oh, my level of frustration. I would go back. There's no, you know what? You're one of them people. I just can't help. When you're ready for the help, I'm here for you. I'll continue to be relevant. I'll continue to provide you information. And as I said, I had a whole chapter just on people that you can't help. Yeah. There are people you can't help. But I, I do. I still have that passion. I love. But it, it was a long, methodical process for me to get to this point. <laughs> if you yeah. talked to me a good 10 years ago, you know. Totally I feel like it goes back to your, I, think, I feel like it goes back to your idea of compliance versus commitment. I think some people are compliant in their own life. Oh, yeah. Committed to their own life mm-hmm. and their own success. And, and, I, and I feel like it's, it's the committed people that you're interested in helping. And maybe all of us should be interested in engaging with uh, and influencing. And the people who are compliant, if they've not yet come to that internal motivation, then it's short-lived anyhow. It's, it's, it's short-lived the, anyhow. Yeah. It's the weekend. Uh, it's a weekend away where everybody comes back and like, yeah, I'm pumped up. You know, and then by the next weekend, they're like, I don't even remember last weekend. It was so long ago. Mm-hmm. You know, and they mm-hmm. slip back into old habits. And, you know, and pray that we are not those people ourselves in right. all sorts of ways. So th- this is something you've addressed in your book, that the that there are people you just can't help and this the way it is. And that sounds, that's fascinating to me. How yeah. do you, so you're an art teacher mm-hmm. and music. You're a super yeah. creative guy. Leadership leadership and is how do you relate this idea or how does art and creativity come up in leadership or, or have you expressed creativity and art in a different way just for you personally? Yeah, I, um, I mean, yeah, I'm, I am, I'm one of those creative people. It's interesting. You know, my, my father, he has a degree in mathematics and physics from Marshall university. Okay. And my mother is a registered nurse for 30 years. They are the furthest thing from what I, I, I am. My brother has a degree in theater from University of the Arts. So here's my brother and I. I was a mu- I'm a musician. I played trumpet for many, many years. Visual artist. I can paint or draw anything. Actually, that's right there. That's one of my pieces right there. Really? Um, yeah, that's one of my pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I can paint or draw. This. I used to own a mural painting company, actually, even. I used to paint murals in people's houses, the, the whole nine. I, I, you know, I was full on. I, I used to go to, um, I used to go to dog shows. People don't know this about me. I used to go to dog shows. Dog shows. Yeah. I would take my art table. I had a little pickup truck. I would yeah. put my art table on the back of my pickup truck. I'd go to the dog show. I'd get a booth. I would set up my art table. I would have paper and charcoal and I had a Polaroid camera. And I would go to dog shows. People would come to me. I said, you want a drawing of your dog? Yeah. Oh, but she won't stay still. It's okay. Shake the Polaroid. Okay, come back in 20 minutes. They're like, 20 minutes? Yep. I can draw a dog beautifully in 20 minutes. It's just fur. It's basically fancy scribbling. So I would, (laughs) I would, this one dog show I did, I cleared $3,000. On this one dog show. I'm killing you. So I say all that to say, yes, I'm super creative. How does that transition over to this leadership and everything else like that? 
I truly feel that creativity is, it's a mindset. It's how you think of things. It's how you see things. The manifestation of that creativity is practice. Drawing, painting, playing. Because you know, I was a trumpet player. Yeah, I didn't practice as much with my trumpet as I did with my drawing. That's why I became a visual arts teacher. It's the manifestation of that. Creativity is the way that you see things, the way that you view things, the angle of things, the, the, the abstractness of it all. So when you pull that over to leadership, number one, you have to understand the rules of leadership, all right? Because you go in there being super creative and you don't know the rules of it, you're going to fail instantly. And that's one of the things I had to learn early on in my, my, my term when I was an assistant principal and a supervisor. You got to understand the rules of leadership. Once you get those rules, then you can overlay that creativity onto it. You can see, okay, I have this creative way, this different way of viewing things, this creative need for it. I can't take this risk until I know the rules. Yeah. So once you know these rules, then you can overlay that creativity and then you can work within those rules in order to make it. One of the big things about creativity within leadership is patience. Because creative people want creativity immediately. You have to have a delayed, you know, satisfaction of that creativity at a later time. Yeah. And so that's what happens. And once you, once you, once you've tempered that, there's so much more that can happen. Yeah. You, you appreciate those people that are on your staff that think differently. You can guide those people on your staff that think differently. Those people who are not creative in any way, because you know the rules of it, you can help guide them. Because a big, I have a section in my book that talks about the three levels of what a leader needs to do. You need to mentor others. You need to associate with other leaders. And then you need to be mentored, right? So within those different layers, your level of creativity, you can make these different things happen at those different layers based off of knowing the rules of leadership and then overlaying that creative piece to it. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. So are you, I'm going to go out on a limb here and I'm going to say that you, you believe that leadership is a, is a skill or a rep, or a representation of skills or how skills are applied that can turn, that can, that can be taught. It can be learned. It can be expressed and the person can get better at it as opposed to the mindset that, well, you're either a naturally born leader or natural born leader, or you're not a natural born leader. I almost think it's both. There are some that are, Oh, there's some personalities of people that you could just see that it's just, they, they have a bit of an, a way about them that they, you know, people, now here it is. There's, there's some people who are leaders who are horrible. Yeah. There's, yeah. A, there's some leaders who are some nasty people, but yeah. they're a leader. It goes back to the initial, the initial, the, uh, the initial definition of what I truly believe in leadership is. Leadership is one thing, influence. Mm-hmm. To me, leadership is 1% influence. What is it that you're doing that influences others to move in a certain direction? Mm-hmm. That's what you're going to do. You develop those skills. Some people are naturally born with that level of skill. It mm-hmm. still needs to be honed. Nobody's yeah. perfect at it. Yep. Okay, that comes through experience. But there's some people have these things that have a certain level of influence over others. Yeah. There are some mean people that have influence over others and they move other people's mean. All right. Hitler. Dude was a nasty guy, but he had a lot of level of influence. Yeah. Right. So when you talk about those people who are naturally born or those who develop the skill, yes, I think people can develop those skills. And your level of influence can be significant that you are moving people in the right direction. You know, 
going into leadership and says, okay, I got this promotion. I got this leadership now. Okay. I'm going to get these people that, whoop, you just messed up your level of influence. You go hammering down on them saying, I'm this, that, and the other. Your level of influence is just adjusting. You can only go so far. So it can be trained and learned. So yeah. was, I, I think it's, I think it's both. I really do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you've, you've obviously talked with a lot of people and uh, have seen, have seen your principles in action as well as other principles that maybe have maybe been effective or maybe have not been effective. And you've, you've screened some of those things out mm-hmm. to figure out what works and what doesn't work, yeah. uh, which is, you know, I mean, my, yeah. my podcast, my video cast here is, is the what works podcast, mm-hmm. which is, and, and you know, the, 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 the motivation for that is if a couple people come together on the journey uh, in that and walk for an hour with each other, they can learn from one yeah. another yeah. and apply, have the opportunity to apply what has, what has worked and what hasn't worked, you know, mm-hmm. from, yeah. from another individual. Yeah. And then they separate and they go off to the, again, like you're talking about their own areas of influence and are better for the journey. Oh, so uh, much. Yeah. Yeah. So and, and it's a big piece to really have those connections and have those opportunities to make these connections and don't be yeah. afraid of them, you know? Yeah. So I agree. Yeah. So, uh, as, as we're closing up here, your previous two books were based were ideas and I've, mm-hmm. and you've, you've rattled off the names, but I don't know what they're about. about. What were they oh about? yeah. It's a, here, I, I got them back here. The first one, it's, it, it, they're very, these, these are very school, school based ones, but I guess you can incorporate first one is called ideas, ideas, ideas. It's a collection of ideas to improve the climate and culture of a school. And that's all it is. It's not a story, anything it's, Idea, next one. Idea, next one. Idea, next yeah. one. Idea. And they're broken up into student engagement ideas, the look of the build, the building ideas, staff engagement ideas. The staff one of, you know, your corporate clients, those are just, they're just neat ideas. It's all that creative stuff that makes for a great environment. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, and a lot of times people say these, these ideas are just gimmicks. My answer to that is yes. <laughs> not, right. Yes. Yeah. These are gimmicks. But guess what? They work. Yeah, they work. So that was the first one. It's called uh, ideas, ideas, ideas. Um, and then the second one is called ideas, 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 rally edition. This is for schools who want to have an academic pep rally. Um, and what that is, is like, if anybody thinks back to when they're in high school, you had the big pep rally for the big game, right? Everybody comes, yeah, go football, go basketball, woo, 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 cheering and everything, all the different sports things. It's the same thing, but for academics. The last I checked, schools are designed for academics. They're not designed for sports. Don't get me wrong. High school basketball player, love sports. But last I checked, we need to be celebrating academics. Yeah. This is a how-to to run a, an academic pep rally. Wow. When I was a building principal, I would have uh, six rallies a year. Six. We would celebrate the beginning of school with a rally. We would have a rally at the end of each marking period. And then we would have an end of the year, uh, another one that we would, no, we would have a, we had a fit, a four, um, new students coming into school rally. Then okay. we'd have a beginning of the school rally, then one at the end of each market period to celebrate academic success. And this is basically an ideas book on how to make that happen. Um, but yeah, that's what they're about. It's just a new, it's the same. You just overlay that creativity level on there and just, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I think you'll, uh, I think you'll appreciate this. I had a guy come up to me at one point in time and I had been influential in, in helping him in his business. Mm-hmm. And he took me out for coffee and said, you know, tell me, how have you achieved things you've achieved? And I thought long and hard on that. And there's so many ways you could go with it. And I said, well, I, at some point in time, 
I just came to the realization that the rules by which we operate are all made up. And they were all made up by people like you and me. And, and so we have the opportunity to assess what it is that we're doing, mm-hmm. do away with things that no longer work, don't make sense, and create new rules of operating that do make sense and move forward on those. It's, Imagine that. <laughs> it's how we got to where we're at, and it's how we're going to move forward. And it seems, it seems like your, your life, your influence, your Stantel Steve brand, your, your book and all that stuff are applying like, hey, here's some new rules. You could think about them mm-hmm. and assess whether it is, you know, assess it. If what you're doing is not working, here's some, here's some principles that you could apply tomorrow or this afternoon right. that will work and assess whether those are working and apply, you know, apply those in the future. So Exactly. That, that, that's exactly what it is. It's just, I love that analogy that you gave. It's like, yeah, it's all these rules. And that's why I said before, understand the rules, understand the basics. All right, now. Let's overlay this creativity. Let's get a new way of thinking. Let's just figure out some other opportunities or ways that we can do this. And that, that's pretty much what I try to do on a regular basis, man. That's the stand yeah. tall philosophy. That's the stand tall way of doing it. Stand that's awesome. Philosophy. So where can, where can people pick up, pick up your book when it comes out in August? Um, actually, they can pre-order it now. Um, okay. It's on Amazon. You go to Amazon Stand Tall Leadership, um, right. and it's there. You can uh, pre-order it now. Uh, the official release date August 25th, but um, yeah, we're doing it. And you can also go to my website, uh, standtallsteve.com, standtallsteve.com. There's a, there's a page on there called Stand Tall Leadership Book. I made it as easy as possible. You just look up top, Stand Tall Leadership Book. Go there. You can get some more information about the book, a little information about me, the author. And mm-hmm. also on there, I have a neat little chart. If you order a bulk, like let's say you want to do a bulk order, yeah. you get additional value. So, you know, you do, uh, you know, 10 to 50 books, you get an infographic. If you do a little bit more, you can get an infomac- infographic and an ideas packet. You do a more, I do a Twitter chat with you. You do some more, I'll do a, a video sessions with you, two to three to five to six video sessions. And if you do a big bulk order, I'll come out to you and do a full day training for you. You know, so awesome. it, it, that way I, I try to, the whole point is to provide as much value as I can to people. And again, yeah. you know, I just want, I want to help. I want to, want to be there for them. Yeah. There you go. That's awesome. Well, thanks for joining me on the podcast. I really appreciate knowing you and having this time together. Hey, thanks so much, uh, Jason. I really, really appreciate it. This is a good, good time. I enjoyed it. Thanks. All right, buddy. We'll talk All soon. Right. Yep. If you know a person working to change the world who would be a great guest on the What Works podcast, contact me, Jason at therealjtod.com.